Some days you may lead me through the desert Even then you're still the reason I can say Amen. 
glory. Let's sing this one more song. If you all stand this evening. Are you blessed this evening? Amen. Amen. How about he abides, 139 KF. He abides. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way. For the hand of God in all my life I see. And the reason of my bliss, yes, the secret all is this, that the comforter abides with me. He abides, he abides, hallelujah, he abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way, for the comforter abides in me. Once my heart was full of sin, once I had no peace within, till I heard our Jesus died upon the tree. Then I fell down at his feet, there came a peace so sweet, now the comforter abides in me. He abides, he abides, hallelujah, he abides in me. I'm rejoicing every day as I walk the narrow way, for the comforter abides with me. He is with me everywhere, and he knows my every care. I'm as happy as a bird, just as free. For the Spirit has control, Jesus satisfies my soul, since the comforter abides in me. Oh, uh -huh. 
going to see him tonight? Well, let's just look into the word and that's how we'll see him. It's good to be gathered around the word tonight with uh, all the wonderful believers here that are gathered. Isn't, isn't it good to, uh, if you're sitting at home watching TV, you just feel bad after. If you're sitting scroll, doing that doom scrolling up social media, that's what they call it, doom scrolling. We just keep scrolling. And you, after a while, you just feel bad. But you get around other believers and get together and look into the Word of God, and you'll leave feeling like something got accomplished, something got changed. Tonight, I want to read, I take a little scripture from 2 Kings chapter 13. And, uh, and just take a little topic called don't don't strike short lord jesus we're gr so grateful lord for your word that you've given us in this hour lord god when it, it seems like just the devil's everywhere all around us lord are just bombarding us with with hurdles and trials and things lord jesus but you give us your word lord to encourage us and to equip us lord against the enemy against all the fiery darts of the wicked one I pray, Lord, tonight that these words, Lord, will just hit home exactly where they need to strike, Lord Jesus. Give us encouragement, Lord, right here in the middle of the week. Lord, that you'll just be with us tonight in this little service. Grant it now, Lord, in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so if we'll read from verse 14, it says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died, and Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. In other words, he's telling him, you are the very strength of Israel. He's telling him, you're the one that's keeping everything together, your ministry and so forth. And he said, Elisha, Elisha said unto him, take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek, till thou have consumed them. The Lord had his blessing to the reading of the word. You may be seated. <coughs> Isn't that, isn't that interesting how sometimes the Lord will give us, give us these, uh, these wonderful little stories in the Old Testament that seem like they, what, what does this mean? And there's a meaning to everything. There's something behind each of these things. Open up the window and shoot an arrow out of it and then go find that arrow. Go run around in the weeds and find that arrow. And if you've ever shot an arrow into the weeds, it, it's, it's quite difficult to find. I, I mean, we've just kind of been playing around in the backyard with Zach's little toy arrows before and shot it like 10 feet away. And how you go, it's like you just can't find it. But that's what the prophet told him. Go find that arrow, go hunt it out, and then bring it back. Strike it on the ground. And, and I've, I've got a prophecy for you that you're going to smite the Syrians. And you're going to you know, always think about that when a prophet tells you something, what encouragement that can be. And all, all these words that we're reading laying here in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation are given to us straight from God to encourage us. And when God says something, you can just bank everything on it. 
Think now, no matter how mysterious it seems, go shoot an air. Go find it, bring it back, grab it, and bang on the ground three times. No matter how mysterious it seems, God always keeps his word. No matter how mysterious it seems, God always keeps his word. No matter how unreasonable it may seem to people, God keeps his word. If God makes a promise of anything, God will keep that promise. He's just looking for somebody tonight to believe him. Now, I, I believe in this present day that we're living in that God still keeps his promises. There might be things in the Bible that seem perplexing that we don't understand, but yet God is there to back it up if we'll just believe it, if we'll just yield ourselves to him. Think about God being infinite, that he knows all the future from the beginning, and he don't make a promise unless he knows what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, you think about that, that God made a promise through Elisha here that the Syrians are going to be are, are going to be consumed and that God was going to do it. He was going to fight their battles. And think of all the stories and all the things that we've heard, even in this modern age. Think about Congressman Upshaw when he was, he was standing there in one of the meetings and, 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 and Brother Branham had the vision of him. And he, Congressman Upshaw was sitting there listening to the, to the message. And all of a sudden he realized that he was actually in a vision that he was actually, and, and Brother Branham called him out. Oh, isn't, that, isn't that how it is sometimes when you're listening to the word and you realize, you recognize that you're part of the story, Amen. that you're part of the story that's being laid out here, that you're part of it. And he, he began to realize that he's part of that vision and he just stepped right into it. And that's how when we hear the word, we just, we're just, you get caught up in that stream and you just kind of get moved along with it. If you can get caught up in the rhythm of the word, you begin to move along with it and you become part of it. That makes you part of the Bible, part of the word, a continuation of the book of Acts. Amen. That God is still doing something today in this very hour, just like he did all down through history. That, that, uh, isn't that amazing that, that, the same, that cr the Christian life can be the same today that it was in the life of Paul, that it was in the life of the early church, that God is still living and still working today just like he was then. And faith, faith will make all these promises a reality. You think about how when, when God made a promise to Noah that, that no water in the sky, it looked like no water anywhere, and, and he made a promise, and, and Noah just believed him, and he got to work. He didn't just sit there, but he got to work, and he started hammering and building on that ark, and it rained just the same. And Moses, Moses down there for 40 years in the wilderness and got all uh, maybe downtrodden, downhearted, lost all hopes of freedom, but yet in the light of God, when he got in front of that burning bush, it made all the promises of God just spring to life. And he was able to step forth from that burning bush and go down to Egypt knowing that God was with him. Knowing that God is a present tense God, a present tense living reality. All the stories that Moses had heard his mama tell him about when he sat, sat at her feet and to all the little Bible stories and things about how they, they had prayed for a deliverer and all those things where Moses couldn't fulfill it on his own. But when he got in front of that burning bush and he heard from God himself, that it made, it changed everything. In the light of God standing by that, by that burning bush, everything in him changed. Now, our prophet in this day would say, why, brother, if we had ever come in the presence of God like Moses did, why, it was revolutionary to him. 
And the light of that angel of God standing there on that mountain that day, everything that he once had or thought never would happen come to be a reality. And I think if men and women today would ever step into the light of the Holy Spirit under the unction of God's Spirit and the light of God's Word, everything that God has promised will illuminate to you and be real again. Oh, that's what we need, brothers and sisters, is a real experience with God. Well, that makes us makes our heart change, that makes us love to be in church, that makes us love God and love one another and live this real Christian life in a way that's not fake. It, it will illuminate the word to you and make it real again. It will make it real, just like it did for Moses when he stood there in that burning bush and he realized that God was God. Oh, you see, that's what the new birth does. That new birth gives you. Hey, Brother Brandon would say that it takes your mental faith that you come to church with and maybe try to work things out on your own and have an intellectual faith. But the new birth will take your mental faith and elevate it to a supernatural faith. I'm talking about a supernatural God living in a people that are just maybe carnal, but he'll change them, change them to, to match the super, a, supernatural, a supernatural experience where you can believe God's word when it seems past understanding that Noah could, that, that rain would fall and carry that ark away, that, that uh, one man and his little family could go down and deliver Israel out of the hand of the Egyptians. We're believing in a supernatural God. And the reason Moses failed in the first place was the lack of having what that burning bush had. You think Moses standing there looking at that bush burning and there was something supernatural that was making that bush burn without it burning away. Something supernatural there. And Moses recognized, I, I need that. Oh, well, when we come to church and we get around other believers, if we could just recognize if, if there's something lacking in our life, that that's what we need. To make us to make us live a real Christian life and 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 do the things that the Bible said a real Christian is going to be able to do. What I failure today is like having what the Holy Spirit has, and the Holy Spirit has all good things for us. And if we receive the Holy Spirit, then all things are possible, and not only possible but promised to us. Y'all, to think about that, to think about that, that all these things written of here in the Bible that 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 you can be delivered of those complexes. You can be delivered of those depressive thoughts. You can be delivered of things that plague you when the devil comes and barrages you with all kinds of thoughts in the nighttime that you can be delivered and you don't have to deal. You don't have to deal with that. You can give it back to the devil. All God requires of us is just to believe his word. All God requires of you is just to open up your heart and let the word sink down into the good ground of your heart and hang on to it and you'll watch and it will produce. It's going to produce something. He sends the Holy Spirit to energize that word when he falls into it. I think, think to tonight that that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Ghost takes the word that's laying there on the page and energizes it to make it come to life. Just like, just like the spirit of any speaker will take the words and give meaning to them. Will take the words and give a life to it. It's the spirit that gives life. It's the spirit that makes it live and takes this, this dead letter laying here on the page that maybe can be questioned about and maybe can be probed at and say, well, I don't know if that's true or not, but when the Holy Spirit comes, it takes all the doubt away. It takes all the reason away because God is on the scene. The Holy Spirit is what gives meaning to the words that we're reading here. And when the word's being preached and the Holy Spirit brings the word, he energizes that and flashes the same light of God's blessed promise. And we know, of course, that God always keeps his promise. 
God always keeps his promise if he can just find somebody to believe it. That's the requirement. He's looking for somebody that he can get a hold of, some little boy or girl or some man or woman. that can. It doesn't matter if nobody else believes. It doesn't matter if the whole rest of the world believes. All he needs is just one person to get a hold of. And maybe sitting here tonight, maybe you're that person. Maybe you're that person like, like Jonah. When, when God was looking for somebody to go to Nineveh and preach, and he looked and he searched all around and he found Jonah and he wanted Jonah to go to preach so bad that he followed him on that boat. Brother Random would say that when Jonah was on that boat, he, everywhere he looked, God was and he couldn't get away from it because God was after him. And maybe tonight you're the one that God is after. Maybe you're the one that you're the only one that can do it. You're the only one that tonight, you're the one that God wants to get a hold of. And, and, and he wants to see you respond to him to fulfill his promises in you, to do something in you. And to think about the promise, the promise of the Holy Ghost to make somebody live for him and believe for him and believe his word and live a holy separated life. Now tonight, aren't you so glad that you can be a real Christian and live a life that the world can't live? Many people would love to be able to live a really Holy Ghost filled life, to be able to dress holy and walk holy and be kind to one another and, and speak good words, speak kind words. Maybe when somebody pulls out in front of you or, or, or says something harsh in the, in the line at the grocery store, to always respond with love and kind. And, and, and many people try to do it and they just fail because they they're lacking something like Moses realized he needed what was in that burning bush and you can't do it without the Holy Ghost in your life to make the word come up off the page and live in you you can't do it you gotta have the Holy Ghost God always keeps his promise oh if tonight he's looking for somebody that he can fulfill his promise and somebody that he can get a hold of and maybe that somebody is you now, they had a great line of kings in this story that we're reading of all the way back from, from Ahab. Now, you think about how Ahab lived such a horrible life. He, he, he got yoked up with Jezebel, who was, was not, you know, not at all a holy person. It was an unbeliever and halfway in, halfway out. And, and Elijah had told Ahab how he was going to die, that he'd go out in the battlefield and the arrow be shot up and it'd just randomly fall in between his armor and he'd fall out on the battlefield. Think about that, that God just got, allowed that arrow to strike him right between the armor where, where there was a little gap. And the arrow struck him down in the middle of the battlefield. And Elijah had prophesied that how Jezebel was going to be fed to the dogs because she did evil, all the evil that she had done. And you think about in life how that, how that things that you do, there, there are consequences to your actions, just like there were consequences in Ahab's life and consequences to the way that Jezebel lived. The things that they did in life, it just built up, built up, and built up until at the end, Jezebel's life ended up where there wasn't nothing left but the palms of her feet and the, her, 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 her palms of her hands hands and her, and her feet because that's all the dogs, uh, the dogs ate everything else. All they left was a pool of blood and a little bit, little tidbits left because all the evil in her life had just accumulated and cumul accumulated until that's what happened. And, and, and you see the lesson here that we can get is remember that you will reap what you sow. 
you will reap what you sow. And that's, that's actually God's law. That God's law is that that's the law of nature, that whatever's sown into the ground, spring's coming up. And you go out into the field and you plant some corn in the ground and you wait long enough and corn's going to come up. But you plant, plant a briar and, and before long a briar's going to come up. You plant some poison ivy and after a while poison ivy's going to come up. And the same thing in your life. If you sow hateful words to your children, after a while your children are going to hate you and they're not going to want to be around you. You sow loving words to your wife and your family and you watch it will sow. You will reap peace. Why? Because you reap what you sow and what you say and what you do. After a while it will accumulate, accumulate until maybe at the end of your life, your life will be crowned either with a crown of the devil and it'll be crowned with a crown of life. And your whole life you'll reap, you'll reap the things that you sow through your life. That's God's nature. That's God's law. That's that that law that you reap what you sow. Now, even think about today, tonight, that, that if you, if you, if the word of God, if the promise of God is sown in your heart, then you will reap what is sown in your heart. If sitting here tonight, if you open up your heart to the word of God that's being preached and sown, and you say, you know what, that that's the thing that I've been looking for my whole life. I've been searching for truth. I've been going maybe from denomination to denomination, from pillar to post and I've been looking for something that's real and maybe tonight this is the first time where you really found something that even sounds remotely real but you hang on to that and let it be sown down in your heart and you watch and see if it doesn't come up and produce because it's the law of nature it's got to produce because the law says that whatever is sown that is what will be reaped Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 8 says do not be deceived God cannot be mocked a man reaps what he sows. Whosoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whosoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So tonight, we're not sowing. We're not trying to please the flesh, are we? Are you so to reap the flesh? If you spend all of your time, like I was saying earlier, doom scrolling on Facebook or trying to, to see uh, on the message threads on the internet, what's the greatest movie that's been released? And that's all your focus is the things that can satisfy the flesh and make you happy in your idle time. Uh, that's what you'll reap. You'll reap something that will help your flesh. But I don't want something that'll help my flesh. I, I want to die to myself. I want to die so that the spirit within me can be loose and live. I want to live to the Spirit. And that's what I want to sow. How, how do you satisfy the Spirit, a real born-again child of God? The only way that they can be satisfied is by that thing that nourishes the Spirit, the Word of God. And that's why a real born-again child of God, they can't wait to come to church. They can't wait to open their Bible. They can't wait to get down on their knees early in the morning time and spend some alone time with God because they want to feed the thing that's on the inside. They want to feed their soul. Oh, if we could just get rid of, let, let our will just die so we're not so concerned with our flesh and with the things that make us happy in this life and the th our own will and, and all those things and just lay, our, lay that down on the altar of sacrifice so that God can do something with us. Your actions, your actions have consequences. So, so good. Do good. Speak good. Oh, that's what I want my life to be. It's just a trail of good. 
He's so, he, he said good things, no matter if somebody hated him or whatever, he said good things. He did good things, even if it was hard, he did good things. And how do we do good things? Brother Branham would say the best thing for you to do is keep an old-fashioned prayer meeting going and keep the unity of the Spirit. Keep looking up and watching for the coming of the Lord. Keep the old-fashioned Holy Spirit falling among you. Keep the world out. Seal Christ in. <clears throat> and he would say, you're letting down in prayer some way. Just remember, as you sow, you'll reap. Just remember that. Oh, think about these things that maybe, maybe we've begun to let slide. These things that were so important to the early church. Those little old brush arbor meetings where they'd pray all night and, and, and you know, you, you just had such a burden on your heart to really get along with God. Oh, it wasn't maybe a battle back in them days to stay away from the TV because there was something in their heart, a stirring. It was the revival days back then. Now, we know the revival days are over. The revival, the general revivals where it just seems like all around there's a revival fire burning, but now there's a bride revival, a personal revival that you might not see in the person next to you or just generally all around everywhere you go, but down in your heart, there's something stirring as the word is received in you and it, it, something, something's lit on fire with you, a personal, a personal individual revival with you. And don't let that revival die. You keep that old-fashioned prayer meeting going. Keep the unity of the Holy Spirit. Keep looking up and watching for the coming of the Lord. Keep the old-fashioned Holy Spirit falling among you. I, I like the old-fashioned Holy Spirit. I like the same kind of Holy Spirit. I, that's what I'm looking for, the same kind of Holy Spirit that manifested in the book of Acts. Uh, when, they, when they just laid in the shadow of people that they had confidence in and they received their healing. Where they could take clothes from off of the body of Paul. And they had such confidence that the Holy Spirit was working. That they believed that God would move. All because they took a cloth from the body of Paul. And they grabbed it and believed it. And wherever they went, they, people believed it. Believed the word that was being preached. Were there at the gate, beautiful uh, they, they were walking by and, and Peter and John just said, look on us and believe. And, uh, you know, they didn't have any popularity to bring. They didn't have any kind of, any kind of money or something to offer that man that lay there at the gate beautiful. But they said, look on us and such as we have, we give unto you. And what they had were the words of eternal life. What they had was something real and something genuine to give him that caused him to have confidence in them. And he, he leaped up from the ground and began to walk because why? Because God is real and that same God that caused that man to walk there 2,000 years ago, that same God is still on the scene today if we can believe it because God keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. His promises are true. Satan, Satan has a lot of empty promises. You know, that's all, all Satan has to offer. He has nothing to offer but a bunch of empty promises. He can't do nothing but take away and say, it's not yours. You can't have it. And he'll, all he'll give you is a bunch of complexes in your mind and horrible thoughts and things you're trying to get away of and nervousness and, 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 and just constantly looking behind your back and wondering if somebody's out to get you. Oh, I, I want to get away from all that and just have confidence that God is on the scene and God is still able to lead and guide and direct our paths. It doesn't matter what all, all, the, all the obstacles all around us, but yet I know that God is still on the scene. Oh, if we can just don't let the world reach into you. 
John 14, 30 said, the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. And I don't want nothing. I don't want nothing the devil has to, has to offer. I don't want nothing the devil has to give. Just don't let the world creep into you. How do we get it out? Pray it out. Fast it out until God comes down and takes a hold. That's right. And what, what's happening when you pray? It's a sacrifice. There in that holy place in the outer court, inner court, holy of holies, and the Old Testament tabernacle in that holy place was that little altar of incense. And in the book of Revelation, it says that that altar, the prayers of the saints go up as incense, like the incense that was offered on that altar. Your prayers are like a sacrifice that's made to God's. And you're, what are you doing? You're sacrificing yourself. You're saying, God, Take away, take away all my enmity with my brother. God, take away the way that I think and the way that I am. And I'm offering it up to you and I want you to change me and speak back to me and reveal to me things that have come. Reveal to me what your word says. And as I lay myself down on the altar of sacrifice, oh, Brother Brown was saying, pray it out, fast it out. What, what are you doing? Getting rid of yourself. Pray it out, fast it out until God comes down and takes a hold. Like when he was there praying with, with uh, Sister Rosella that time, that the, the little, he, he, he said she was a prostitute, somebody that had lived in the world and, and done so many things. You could unroll the laundry list of the things that she had done wrong. But yet he told her, let's pray. And she got to praying and she prayed a little bit and she said, well, I think I'm good. No, pray a little bit longer. Oh, you got to sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice yourself. Lay yourself down on the altar of sacrifice until God can come and do something with you. And Brother Bram would say, if Noah seen a little leak in his ark, why he put some pitch in it? And so that's about the best thing I know to keep the leak out, the world out, is to stop up the leak. Stop up the leak is the best thing that I know to do. Put some pitch in it. Let the Holy Spirit grab a hold of your life and begin to plug up all those leaks. So if you've got a leaky spot, if you got, imagine Noah in that ark going around inspecting, looking for leaks, and all of a sudden there'd be a little gush of water coming in the ark. You know, to Noah, with no land in sight, that would be a scary thing. Now, what about you and I? When we find a leak in our life, something that ain't right, it should scare us. It should make us, it should make us just be on, on top of things just like Noah was. And Noah would take that hot pitch. You, gotta, you, can't, you can't just cram it in there. You got to heat it up first. That's the only way it'll work. You take that hot pitch and you pour it over that wood and just let it soak into that wood real good. And that'll stop the leak up. Now, how are you going to get pitch in your life? You got to die out to yourself. You got to die out to yourself where you, you think, well, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure I know the right way that it should go. You know, there's a lot of people in the Bible that were like that, like Cain. It's going to be my way. My way or no way at all. Oh, but if we can just die to ourselves and just allow God to come and move on the scene in our lives, die to our own way of thinking and die to, oh, you remember that story of, of, of when Elijah come down and he found that little widow woman and he, he, and, she, and he told her, you need to go make me first, make me a little cake. And she took the meal and the oil, but we always forget that third ingredient, the two sticks the two sticks which represent the cross of self-sacrifice, that you've got to die to yourself, die to yourself, and then you'll have a cake that you can live off of. Then you'll have something real and something genuine that will nourish you and, 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 and replenish you that will that never run out. That was Elijah's promise to that little widow woman. The meal and the oil will never run out. 
Only one way to do it. That's prayer. Prayer stops the leak. Prayer changes things. And the, and the ark, the message of the ark, Brother Brown will say, now this soft gopher wood, when they poured this hot pitch over it, it soaked it up right quick inside and out and made it a sealed. Amen. Oh, you see it? A seal soft soaking in the word of God, Christ pouring the Holy Spirit. Head up. It won't run when it's cold. It's got to get hot. What we need today is an old-fashioned Holy Ghost meeting. Head up, pour down. They took that soft gopher wood, the big ladle, and poured it on, and the gopher wood real soft, ready then from the inside and out. That pitch went through and cased it over like steel. No water could seep in it at all. It was a protection. Oh, if we just get our lives all pitched up. And you, you know the illustration there is you take pine, that pine pitch and put it in the gopher wood, and when it soaks in real good, it's not gopher anymore. It's pine because it's been changed. Oh, you think about what the, the effect of the Holy Ghost in your life can do. It can take your broken, messed up character and change you. It change you. What's it doing changing you to be like God? Oh, that's the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives to change us to where we can walk and talk and act like Jesus and respond like Jesus. Respond to where when somebody smites us on the face, we can turn the other cheek. Respond to where when somebody crucifies our influence, we can say, Father, forgive them. Oh, that's the kind of life that I want to live. I want to live the kind of life like Stephen did when they stoned him and he was laying there dying and he said, Father, forgive them. To think of that, Father, forgive them. That's a really Holy Ghost filled life, a real Holy Ghost filled life where you can't tell who your enemy is, where you can't tell who you like and who you don't like, who you agree with and who you don't agree with. That's, that's not hypocrisy, my friends. That's a Holy Ghost filled life where you can't tell whether somebody likes somebody or where they don't like somebody, but where you stand for the truth, no matter what, where you stand for the truth and you believe God, no matter what, no matter whether your friends do or don't or what the situation is oh if we can just shun the very appearance of evil brother Ram would say the whole pentecostal world if they do let down don't you do it you stay true to god pray up live right associate yourself with god and his people and come out from among the worldly ungodly things that the bible says you got to get the world out oh we got to get the world out you get that isn't that a principle of getting born again you got to get the world out first. You got to be sanctified. You take that, take that vessel and you wipe all the mud and everything out and you clean it out first. You got to get the world out before Christ can come in. He just won't associate with unbelief and things of the world. Now, King Joash was king during this time. And he was a lukewarm, borderline believer. King Joash... You know, you read, I think it's interesting to look at some of these kings, how they, they come out and they hit the ground running and they get real excited and they're going to go tear down the olive groves and tear down, tear down all the, the, the temples to Baal and things. And they go doing real good. And then they get to listening to the people. Then they get to listening to Jezebel or whatever, get to listening to somebody and they start compromising. Now, see, God don't want compromisers. He wants somebody that will have a backbone and stand for what's real and what's truth. Now, King Joash was a lukewarm, borderline believer. Brother Ryan will say he'd take out a few of the high places and where the heathen worship was, and he'd done a few of those things, but yet he departed not from the sins of his father. And like that, just any way the people wanted to go, that's the way 
he wanted to go. God don't like compromisers. God don't want his church to look like the world. Now, oh, that's why I'm thank, thank God that you can be a real Holy Ghost filled Christian that don't have nothing to do with the world, that you can look different and act different. What a blessing that is. That, that, that God gave you all these, these requirements of things laying here of how to dress holy and how to look holy and live holy. And you, you can live a way that the world cannot live. Oh, I, I thank God when I go home at night and, and, and I, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not looking, we don't have all the things maybe that the world does, all the popularity and fashions and everything. But I look over at my little wife crocheting there and we got a little tape playing and we got the Bible over on the side, you know, on the table and, and the home is peaceful, you know, and you, you just, you, you, you know, it, it is what it is. And I thank, I thank God. I thank God for those things. Thank God. You should be proud and you should be thankful to be a Christian. Don't, don't look at the world and think, well, I wish I could. If you look at the world and think, I wish I, wish I could be like that, and there's something's wrong. Something's wrong in your heart. I'm so glad to be a Christian where I, I, don't, I don't have to live like they do. Live, live this hound dog life where you're just running around. Anyway, I'll leave that. But... And Brother Brown will say, isn't that just exactly like preachers today? The way the congregation wants to do, that's the way the preacher preaches to them. I want to tell you, a God-sent, Holy Ghost-born preacher won't compromise with any congregation. Oh, could you imagine John the Baptist coming out there and looking at the king come by that had married his brother's wife that wasn't even lawful according to the Bible? And John didn't hold back. He just preached it because what's the preacher's obligation is the truth. It's not people's feelings. Not people, how people feel, but it's the truth. Our obligation is the truth. And did you know the Bible actually says that one day a preacher will be held accountable for the word that he preaches? Because if he's, if he's over a congregation, if he's over a group of people, and he holds back and doesn't tell them the truth, and they continue living in sin, that is the preacher's fault. It's the preacher's fault. He's the one that's going to be held accountable, and he'll, he'll stand a greater condemnation for not giving the truth. Also, we can't hold back. You got to, just like John didn't hold back. John had a backbone. He had integrity. He stood for something. You know, integrity is when you stand for something that doesn't matter when, whether somebody agrees with you or disagrees with you, you're going to preach it just the same. And he preached it to a king. He preached it. He preached it. If you're ever going to make a stand, now is the time to make a stand. This is the time. Brother Ram will say today is a compromising time. Everybody wants to look like everybody else. Everybody wants to look like the world. You go into the supermarket and you see all the Hollywood actresses and stuff in the supermarket stand and women want to look like that. You see all the Tommy Rotten Hollywood and men want to look like that and live like that. And people getting thrown in jail and doing all kinds of things in Hollywood and just a long list of the horrible lives that they live and yet people want to live like that. People want to look like that, but they don't want to match up their life with, with the Bible. You know, if I was going to match my life up with anything, I want to match my life up with, with the saints that lived in the early church. I don't want to match my, my life up with what Paul said a real Christian should be. And I believe that a real Christian should be a real Christian. Shouldn't be halfway in and halfway out like King Joash. But if you're a saint, act like a saint. Act like a saint. That means that not, not, if, you, if you slip out with a cuss word every now and then, then you, you should repent and act real sorrow for it and not just be like, oh, well, 
Oh, well, you just got to pile on the grace because that's just how I am. No, God has a requirement for a Christian. A Christian, a Christian should be a real genuine Christian. And not just, if you're going to slip up in things, let's go back to the altar and make sure that we're what, really what we say we are. Instead of something that we just got to keep throwing this blanket of greasy grace on top of until it's just so greasy we can't hardly live. Let's walk like a saint, dress like a saint, talk like a saint, pray like a saint, live like a saint, shout like a saint, be like a saint, live a saint, die like a saint, and go to heaven like a saint. If I'm going to be a saint, I might as well do what the Bible says I'm going to be a saint. In other words, let's be a real, be a real Christian. I, wanna, I, want, I want the devil to know what side I'm on. I want God to know what side I'm on. I want my fellow believers to know what side I'm on. I don't want to have one foot foot across the other side of the fence and and straddling everything and and everybody look at me. Well, I wonder wonder if they're fixing to leave the message any minute. I wonder if they're fixing to lose their faith. I I don't want people to look at me like that, but I want to be a real, genuine, real Holy Ghost-filled Christian. And if you're not like that, won't you make that decision? Because you might be the one tonight that God is looking for to fulfill his promises in. Maybe you're the one that God is drawing. This borderline believing, this halfway lukewarm. Do you know the Bible said that this day would come? It says that in the Laodicean church age, they'd be half, that lukewarm. A lukewarm, lukewarm means it's, they're not hot and they're not cold. What are they? That's the condition of what is it? Is, is it a duck? It don't walk like a duck. Is it a Christian? It, I wonder, is it? The Laodicean church age would be lukewarm and make God sick at his stomach till he says in, in the book of Revelation that he'd spew it from his mouth. Oh, how the old saints of God used to sit around and sing the redemption song and sing of the blood and the power of God. And today, these are Brother Branham's words, it's as cold as zero nearly. Why? Because it's, it's, the, it's the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age is to be just halfway, just, well... Not, not really. He said, you don't see their faces light up no more and sing and clap their hands and raise their hands to God and praise God and pray all night and lay out in the cornfields and things. People can't have said in church 30 minutes without grumbling and growling. Now, ain't that the truth? We start making jokes if the service goes longer than 30 minutes. Why? What, what is it? Because our heart's just not in it. We're, we just get bored with church, and we just get tired. It's, 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 I'm telling you, it's a spiritual condition. It's the spirit of the age. You know you can get the spirit of America on you. You can get the spirit of North Georgia on you. There's a North Georgia spirit. You can get the spirit of others. Brother Adam said you go to a church, and you can get the pastor's spirit on you. You can get the spirit of people that are around you. But I want that Holy Ghost spirit. That'll be real and genuine no matter how, how the people in North Georgia act, how the people in America act. I don't want to act like other people. I want to act like God said we're going to act. <laughs> oh, what a day that we're living in like the day of Joash. Borderline, halfway, lukewarm, blowing, blowing away, tossed about, wind, clouds without rain, tossed about, never learning, able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's how Joash was, blown, blown around by every wind. It, the people would say, you need to go this way. The people would say, you need to go that way. And that's how Joash would live his life. This old king, he thought he would just go any way the winds blowed, tossed about by everything. 
never stable. I don't want to be like that. You don't know what you believe. Maybe this, like I was, t- I was sharing that little anecdote the other day about somebody in another church that was saying, this Sunday is the last Sunday of the month. I thought I was just going to stay home. <laughs> but then I thought, no, I got the day wrong. It's not the last Sunday of the month. So I can go. Now, come on now. God don't want us to be like that. He wants you to be stable and to desire the sincere milk of the word of God and to love God and to love being around his people and not just be wishy-washy. Well, well, this is, have some kind of rule that you make. Every other Sunday I'll go to church. Every other Sunday I won't. (laughs) Oh, if the Holy Ghost is in you, he feeds on the word of God and not on television and not on true story magazines and love books and all that. That's what people that just call themselves Christians wrap themselves up in. Because that's what they're feeding on. Their whole life is wrapped up in things that ain't going to give them any benefit. And then, then, then maybe at the end of their life, maybe they can squeeze in a deathbed confession if the doctor don't dose them up with a good shot of morphine. Oh, my brother and sister, don't wait until then. You might as well, you might as well give in to God now while you got time and a stable, sound mind to think about things and respond in a way where you can have a real good repentance and lay things on the altar rather than wait until you're so drugged up at the end of the life that you can't even think straight. Oh, don't wait, my friends. Oh, you think in the face of all that now to show you there's a hope. This old King Joash heard that the prophet was sick. And he went down to visit him. This old backslidden Joash, halfway in, halfway out, blown around by the winds of everything. He went down because he heard that Elisha was sick. Elisha was sick. And the Bible says he was fixing to die. And he didn't come irreverent. He would come with respect. He had enough God about him to know that he must visit this prophet with respect. So he walked up and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Now that's how you get something from God. He come to that prophet and he said, I know what you are to this nation. That you are the very thing that's holding us up. Your words are your words are like the chariots of Israel. Your words and your prophecies are like the horsemen that battle for Israel. You are you are actually like the oracle of God. When I stand here at your, at your bedside, I I come expecting to hear something that will benefit my life. And that's the way you want to get something from God, not just come to criticize, not come to, with jokes and, and, and just making fun of things. But you come, oh, you see, you don't read the Bible to fuss about it, but you read the Bible to live it. Amen. Well, that's how you read the Bible. Don't read the Bible to argue with it and say, well, I think it's wrong over here and wrong over there. And you don't come to church like that. You won't get nothing from the service, but you come ready to live it, ready for it to take effect in your life. Read the Bible to live it. And he walked down with respect and he wept over him because he come and approached it reverently. God had respect to him. Now, you know, if God had respect for him because he come reverently, he'll have respect to you if you come reverently. That's why God said, God told Elijah, rise up. I think he's on his deathbed. And God said, rise up. And Elijah rose up. Oh, you think about those words. Elijah rose up. 
And they were just about ready in their backslidden condition to be besieged by another country, the Syrians. All the enemy was all around. And you think tonight that all the enemy might be around you. And maybe the devil's just got your mind in a tizzy and you're all frazzled and you're blown around by every wind of doctrine and every wind of any kind of an influence. And you don't know which is up and which way's down and which way's north and which way's south. But because this one man humbled himself and come down before God and said, oh, my father, how we need you. God respected it. And if you'll come that way, God will respect your approach too. And he respected Elijah and God respected him. And if you'll respect God's Bible and God's Holy Spirit, he will respect you. <coughs> and Elijah said, go get your bow. And he put an arrow in it, said, open the window towards the east. The east is the way that Jesus will come. And he said, now watch. Now I want you to put the arrow in the place and draw back just as far as you can. And he did. He said, shoot. And when he shot, what happened? The arrow went out. He said, get the arrow. And like I was saying earlier, he ran out there and hunted. And about, maybe it took him an hour. Maybe it took him two hours while Elijah's laying up there. Elisha is laying up there in the bed on his, on his deathbed, hunting in the weeds and the overgrown grass, looking for that arrow. Now, that's what anybody, any sensible person would do if a prophet tells you to do something. You're going to go hunting for that promise. If there's a promise laying in that arrow, you're going to get that arrow. Oh, if we can get desperate sometime. I wonder out there looking in all those weeds if he just got desperate, began to get real desperate. I got to find this because the prophet told me there's a promise laying here. I got to find it. And he went back and he said, strike the ground. And he struck the ground three times. He grabbed that arrow and he went bang, bang, bang. And the prophet was wroth with him. He said, why'd you strike it? Why didn't you strike it more times than that? Why didn't you do something else about it? Strike it more times. Now, that's, that's an example. That's a lesson for all of us. We see a promise of God laying there, and we go out and grab a hold of the air, and we'll just barely give it any effort at all. Well, that's good enough. That's all right. I went, I went to church every other Sunday. I read my Bible like two times this last year. <laughs> he said, you struck it three times, you'll only have three victories. And the prophet got so upset with him. He said, why'd you, why didn't you strike it more times than that? The same thing has happened tonight in the Christian church. We struck the era of God's deliverance. He said it was. God sent the era of deliverance to us. The era of deliverance is the Holy Spirit that's been sent, shot from the bow of God's love. When the eternity, I love this sentence. When the eternity to eternity was pulled together by the cord of love, God shot the era of deliverance into the church on the day of Pentecost. And the church was given in her hand. What's, what was given in her hand? She had in her hand on the day of Pentecost the promise of God, that era that was shot through the eastern wind that the Bible says Christ is going to come from the east. The church was going to give it into her hand, the era of God's deliverance. And that Holy Spirit would deliver the church out of any kind of a chaos it could get into. Why? Because God doesn't forget his promises. He's going to deliver you out of whatever your situation is. But what do we do with it? We pick up the arrow and strike three times. That's just a backslidden king. Strike the arrow once. Well, we'll build a church. We'll teach theology. 
We'll teach psychology and have an organization. Oh, but that's not what God wants. God wants to have a Holy Ghost-filled group of people, a Holy Ghost-filled church that's going all the way until the, that Syrian army is completely destroyed. That's what God wanted to do, completely destroy the enemy, completely destroy the enemy in your life, not just a little haphazard. Well, this will be good enough. God don't want us to strike short. The church world tonight is still striking short. God sent the baptism of the Holy Ghost and put it into the hands of the church, the era of God's deliverance, to deliver from sickness, from sin, from worry, from trouble. Oh, if you got worried tonight, that's what that era of deliverance is for, to take all that worry away, cast it on him, and he'll take care of it. Cast that worry on him. All that worldliness. Oh, if you get a hold of God, he'll take that worldliness out of you from everything else. But he said, we've struck short of it. Oh, to think that every promise in the book is mine. That's what Elijah, Elisha was telling King Joash. Every promise is yours. Don't hold back. Don't just have a little half-hearted will. I'll just knock three times on the ground, and that'll be enough. But, oh, come with confidence, believing that there is a God on the scene to guide us and to lead us. And every promise in the book is mine because a God that made the promise is on the scene to fulfill his word and make these words come off the page. God made a way for you to be delivered from everything, from complexes, from sin sickness. Oh, we don't have to deal with it. I think, listen, I think complexes are some of the worst things. You talk to somebody with a complex and they're always looking behind them, to, searching out to find somebody that's going to be against them. Looking for somebody, looking for a reason to find fault because they're coming with that negative viewpoint that somebody's going to do something. Somebody's going to, what, all these complexes and complexes, we know they come from all these life experiences and scars and everything, but nevertheless, God can get rid of it for you. God can take it away if we'll just give it to him. Oh, look at what God has given to us. Don't come up short. We go over to the church and we join the church and we think that's all right, but it ain't all right. Don't strike short of nothing of God's blessings. If God promised the blessing of the Holy Ghost, you can have it. If God promised tonight healing in your body, you can have it. If he promised deliverance from the devil, from all those fiery darts of the devil, you can have it. Why? Because the Bible said that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Strike it. Don't be afraid. God said so. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. Strike it. God said so. It's the era of deliverance. It's brought into the church tonight. But the church has been taught it's some historical thing and not put it down to a present day. You remember when Elisha come over that river, over the River Jordan, and he got to the River Jordan after Elijah had gone up, and he grabbed the mantle that had been given to him, typing the Holy Ghost that had fallen from Elijah. And he said, he struck the water and he said, where is the God of Elijah? I remember somebody telling me a testimony of a little missionary down in, I think it was South America. They, they, they had a need and they got to the river. They got to a river that they had to get across to deliver a message because they were called to preach. And they made that same declaration and the water parted and they came across. Why? Because God is still, he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've heard the stories that Brother Luis told of how they pour water or whatever in the gas tank and, and drive because they had a need. 
and, and, and story after story because God is still a God. Cancer being delivered from people and, 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 and all, so many miracles that how could we doubt to see that God is still on the scene? He's just looking for somebody to believe. Where is the God of Elijah? I think we know tonight. We know the answer of where, where the God of Elijah is. He's still on the scene. He's still that same God that came walking to, to Abraham and, and Abraham broke bread with him and, 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 and he began to reveal things to him and show him the things that would come. He's still that same God that's still able. What good, what good tonight is a God in a history if he isn't the same God tonight? What good is a God that we can just read about? What good is it if he's not still the same God of miracles today? If he isn't the same God tonight, what good is he? Oh, if I, I want to challenge you tonight to take God at his word and believe him. That's the kind of God that I'm preaching tonight. What good would he be if he's not the same yesterday, today, and forever? But the Bible says he is. So if he's still the same that he was in the first church age, all down through the 2,000 years that we've been living through, he's still the same tonight because God remembers his promises. So you might as well strike out. You might as well strike out as the musicians come. The era of deliverance is filled with mercy tonight given to the church. What we ought to do is pick it up and strike for the glory of God. That's right. And every divine blessing that God promised is yours by faith if you'll receive it. He said, I'll tell you, my brother and sister, tonight, you might have thought this might be fanaticism or something. But if you want to step with God and take his promise and reach right out there and say, now, Lord, I believe in it. Watch what takes place. And I want to declare to you tonight, if we, as we stand to our feet, whatever you have need of, if you could take his promise and reach right out there, grab a hold of that era of deliverance, say, now, Lord, I believe it. Watch and see what takes place, and you'll see something happen. Do you love the Lord? Let's just worship him. I think we've got something to praise and worship God for. He's made us different people, hasn't he? Because we got a hold of something. We're all on the altar of sacrifice late. See, 103 in the book if you need it. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith. Now, if you have a need tonight, we'll be glad to pray with you. And have we'll be glad to offer words of encouragement and enter in with prayer. Just sacrifice yourself to him. Say, Lord, take me. I want to give myself to you. I want you to change me. Make me different. Until you're all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. sweet rest as you yield in your body and soul. Would you walk with the Lord in the light of his word and have peace and contentment always? You must do Free. 
Josh just handed me this prayer request. Brother Dale, Anna, and Lily all have COVID. Pretty much the whole family has been exposed, so keep them all in your prayers. Yes, so we'll just keep that in our prayers. <laughs> let's, let's just go to the Lord in prayer about this situation, and uh, if you have any other need on your heart, we'll just lift that up in prayer together, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord Jesus, Lord, you know this need, Lord God, and you know all of our needs, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you're a prayer-answering God. Lord, we lay all these needs at your feet, Lord Jesus, with confidence and boldness that you're still the same yesterday, today, and forever. We ask, Lord, that you'll just come up on the scene, Lord, and move, Lord God. And we're coming expecting, Lord. We're expecting you to answer back. I thank, I thank you so much, Lord, that you're a God that answers back. You hear our prayers, Lord, and you just don't sit silent, Lord, gazing back at our infirmities. But... You're touched by our infirmities, is what the Bible said. And Lord, we have confidence in that, Lord Jesus. Paul said, come boldly to the throne of grace. And we come boldly to you, Lord Jesus, laying all these knees before you, Lord. And I just ask that you'll be with them tonight, Lord Jesus, as they're Lord, ministering with Brother, Brother Dale, Lord God, and taking care of him and, and dealing with this situation, Lord Jesus. You'll come and stand beside him, Lord God, and give him a special comfort, Lord God. Be with this need, Lord Jesus, where different one, all the different ones are, are coming down with sickness, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you'll move upon the scene for them, Lord Jesus. Lord, any other needs tonight, Lord Jesus? Lord, if we've got everything out of the way and we've repented of our sins and we've made things right, Lord Jesus, surely, Lord, we can come with boldness, Lord, laying these needs before you, Lord God, and ask, Lord, for you to move on the scene for us. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you'll just be with all the saints as they travel home tonight, Lord God, and be with us on the roads, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you'll just bolster up our faith and help us, Lord, to lay claim to all these promises, to take a hold of that era of deliverance, the Holy Ghost that was given on the day of Pentecost and has now been lit in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Lord, that same light passed down from age to age by the preaching of the word, Lord Jesus. And now, Lord God, we can come boldly, Lord, knowing we've got a more sure word of prophecy, Lord Jesus, that the day star has been lit in our hearts. Lord, you're shining in us, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you'll just be with your saints, Lord Jesus. Grant it now, Lord, we pray these blessings in your name. Amen. God bless you, saints. Why don't you just sing it as you go?